Hi, this is Edward James Olmos, Admiral Adama, to many of you, and you're listening to Galactica Quorum. It's a fracking podcast. Think about it. If you're going to borrow from somebody, I guess you borrow from the best. Well, I think the success of the show ultimately comes down to the characters. Every planet has gangsters. <laughs> Hello, welcome to the Galactica Quorum. It's a fracking podcast. It's a fracking podcast about Battlestar Galactica and Caprica. This is show 86. I'm Brian. I'm Dimitri. I'm Matthew. We have a website that is galacticacorum.com and an email that's gquorum at gmail.com. That's spelled G-Q-U-O-R-U-M. And a voicemail 301-358-5175. You can also follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter name is Galactica Quorum. That's one word. Matthew, where are you calling from? I'm calling from a place called Elland, which is near Halifax in England. You may know further Leeds, it's probably the nearest big city or town where I live. And it's not too far from uh, Manchester. It's in the north of England, essentially. Okay, cool. Okay. I want to mention that we also have a new podcast that's called the Geek Quorum. That website is geekquorum.com. You can look for us on iTunes, searching for Geek or Quorum. For this episode, we'll be talking about the Caprica episode, Grave Dancing. I want to mention that we have not listened to the official sci-fi podcast for this episode, but we will be doing lots of speculation, although no spoilers. I want to mention also that we are doing a contest giving away the BSG downloaded book signed by Richard Hatch. Details of that will be on the Geek Quorum podcast. It involves setting up for Twitter on the Geek Quorum account and following us there. But again, details will be on our other podcast. Let's just roll right into some of our discussion and feedback from the previous episode. One thing we didn't touch on was, I did mention it in the recap, but we didn't really get back to it in our regular discussion, was the fact that Luciana Caro was playing Priya, the PR helper. And she is known also as playing Cat in BSG. And there is some debate kind of whether that is appropriate or not, having a character who was somewhat well-known in the BSG world and then bringing them back as a character that is supposedly completely unrelated to their character in Caprica. Did you notice that, Dimitri? I noticed it, but it didn't bother me at all, because she's got a new name. It's just an actor, and they seem to have a close-knit family of actors. And, I mean, she looks totally different. She doesn't look like Kat at all. She's not wearing a flight suit. She's dressed differently. She's talked differently. So it didn't bother me at all. And I did notice it was her, but no bother. I noticed that as well. I think I also noticed someone else who's in Galactica. A guy blew himself up on New Capricorn, not the suicide bomber. I think he was one of the kind of mob guys sitting down around the table playing cards or something. Right, right. I don't really mind. I think there'd only be a problem if you had one of the actors who played on the Cylons, because then people would be saying, is that where they got the Cylon model from or something? As long as it's not that, and it's also, you know, 50, 60 years ago, I don't think it really matters that much, to be honest with you. It's not a conflicting. I mean, you could just dismiss it as saying, oh, it's just a doppelganger. It's just someone who looks like someone else, you know, and we see that all the time, right? Right. Sure. Yeah, at first I was kind of against the idea of it, but you're right. It's a minor character playing another minor character, and I obviously wouldn't want someone like Tomo to come in and be playing someone else. I think that would be too weird. And one final thing about the Priya character, I don't anticipate being really that important, but in the version that we watched from the press screener, they had a 
CG title that came up while Cyrus is talking to Daniel Greystone about, I have this girl, she's really good, she's from Canceron. And then the, the CG title came up that said they were going to do a voiceover redub of that to say that she was from Sagittarion. And it's things like that that make me scratch my head and say, why is it really that important if she's from Sagittarion or from Canceron, if she's just a simple one-off character? Or do they really follow the details that closely? Which I suppose they do, but sometimes they have mistakes in the storyline that makes me question, like, are you really following the story that closely? Is it possible they're building up to something later where there is maybe conflict between the different planets that somehow causes you know cause and effect causes something and so they just want to make sure that they that's the only thing i could think of right they want to keep their ducks in order they don't want to start putting you know saying blue did it and then later on purple does it you know like oh wait 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 oh shit we screwed up you know right it just makes me think back to there was a scene at the quorum when lee was vice president or maybe he was acting president at the time and someone said well we have to replace so-and-so the delegate from blank but the way he said it the words coming out of his mouth completely didn't match what was being said at the time it was like it was an obvious voiceover change and at the time we were like well what does that mean they do that a lot don't they Oh, they do, but it made me wonder why they did it for that one in particular, because it never really did come back to mean anything. It was like they replaced one quorum member from this other colony, but he was never important. That storyline never did anything, so. I also think with this breakout, which I'm not sure, I mean, maybe they do know, but I don't actually get the impression that they know which of these range of characters are going to be the ones that come key in the show. There's so many minor characters. I mean, you don't know, she could, she could become a major role later on in the series. See, that's another wider point. I'm not exactly sure they know what they're doing. And on that point as well, I think the show would be much better if they expanded it to be a show about the 12 colonies rather than just focusing on Caprica. And maybe that is in their plans in the future. I guess that leads to an email we got from Patrick. He writes, My biggest disappointment so far is the waste of Isai Morales as Joseph Adama. For someone who is one of the, quote, leads of the show, he is grossly underused. Sasha Ruiz, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Sasha Ruiz as Sam Adama has been the most interesting character of all the Adamas. I would agree with that. I think Sam is the most interesting, although I can't say root for him, especially since he's a cold-blooded murderer. As a matter of fact, I find it hard to identify with almost all these characters right now, sympathetically, except the one I do kind of cheer for is Lacey, just because she's an underdog. She's sort of trying to find her way and doesn't have any really bad traits that we've seen so far. But everyone else is unlikable for varying reasons, and I think that's one of the knocks that the show is having on various boards and forums is that right now people are, A, not happy with the pacing of the story, and B, that the characters, a lot of them are just so down and unlikable. I mean, that's a good point. And that's the thing I mentioned before on the, on the messages I left, that with Galactica straight away from the miniseries, especially 33, I was interested in the characters. I was interested in who Bowser was. I was interested in who Adama was. With these characters, they haven't really grabbed me in that same way. I mean, you're right, I think Sam is the most interesting character. But after that, it's hard to be really drawn in by them, really, at the moment. You said that you're intrigued mostly by Sam's character and less by the other Adama. But I think that's just our nature, right? The other Adama, he's kind of telling his brother what to do, and he's angry, and he's standing around while his brother does his dirty work. But that's, if you go back a few years, I mean, that's really the success of The Sopranos, right? There's nothing to look up to in any of the characters in The Sopranos. They're all gangsters. They're bad people. You know, they did horrible things. But that show was a great success because I think we get 
It's like the reason rubbernecking exists is because human beings like to look at bad things. And so we slow down when there's a huge wreck on the highway because we were really interested in seeing what happened, you know. But I think the bad characters, the bad boys, the bad girls, the conflict characters, those are the ones that are more exciting and more colorful. Right. At the same time, I do feel like there could be some more positive characters that are just developed more and have nuances and characterization to them that right now is lacking, I guess. And we'll get back to the Sopranos in a second, because that's going to be a big thing I want to bring up. But actually, the one thing about the Joseph character right now that I'm worrying about somewhat is his flip-floppy wishy-washiness, and I'm hoping he's not going to turn into another Lee character. As the lead, I expect him to have a little bit more fortitude. I think they've really changed him from the miniseries, as well, the miniseries, the pilot episode as well. In that, in the pilot episode, he was very much not wanting to have anything to do with his brother, in a sense, wanting to reject the tour on lifestyle. And, okay, horrible things happen in his life. But even though it seems to me suddenly now he's completely changed, and he's suddenly embracing the tour way of life a bit too much, in a way, I think, suddenly. And he's there with at home with his mother. So maybe he's a bit wish-washy at the moment, because he's just been written badly. They're not quite sure what to do with him at the moment, maybe. Yeah. Well, there definitely has been some chatter on the boards about how what we know of the legend of Joseph Adama from Battlestar Galactica, he was, he was supposed to be a certain stature of civil rights attorney and stuck up for the little guy. And what we've seen so far has been not quite that picture. But people have correctly pointed out that, you know, this could be just the beginning of an arc that gets him to a certain point. So I'm not going to begrudge them about that. I just think that right now he is in terms of having a certain consistency. The thing that bothered me a lot was he went from the movie pilot completely wanting to wash his hands of seeing his dead daughter to within another episode, suddenly wanting to commit murder so he could get to see her again. And not to say that that transformation couldn't take place, but it just happened so fast without anything in between that seemed to spark the transformation. I think mean, the overriding feeling a lot of us have at the moment is of disappointment, I think. But I think it's too early to get too critical because... It is early. It's only, what, four episodes in. And these characters have got the room to develop and go in many, many different directions. And really, I'm not sure. I don't know if it's been given an initial run of 13 episodes or a full season. I don't know. But I think you have to give it that time to see really where these characters go. And maybe the writers are still deciding how exactly to represent Joseph Adama as the Joseph Adama we knew from Galactica. Mm. Okay, we got another email from David who writes, I'm on the fence about continuing with Caprica and rapidly slipping over to the no side. This may be a situation like the difference between Highlander and Highlander 2, where there is no discernible story connection between the two, despite the same name and some of the same characters. I'm not getting that there's a plausible line of connection between the story in Caprica and Battlestar Galactica. For instance, a society with polygamous marriage, for example, would have had some discernible presence of polygamy in the BSG fleet we saw in BSG, right? Baltar's babes. <laughs> right, that's true. Then he writes, A picture just came to mind that they clone the Zoe Cylon, create a whole army of Zoe clone Cylons, and then, because of this video shorthand they're following, they'd show a phalanx of the Zoe clone Cylons marching down the street during a military parade, but the video might be flipping between Cylons and Zoe's marchings down the street. I think that'd be funny. I think at some point they're going to bring the Ben character back. He'll be involved. He was obviously kind of militant and troubled, to use that word. And I think he would bring a certain darker side to the Cylon intelligence. From that email, something made me think about a wider complaint I've got about the plot of the show is that the plot that brings up monotheism and the belief in the one God and how this is a cult that's coming through. And this, if you develop that as a key storyline... For me, it really contradicts with the entire point of Baltar and Galactica. 
because Bowser had this huge plot about bringing back monotheism and the one god and how he was doing that to, in a sense, save the remaining people from the colonies. The way it was presented in Galactica as, as the religious side of it there seems to me to be completely contradicting with almost any previous development of the idea, especially only 50, 60 years ago. I'm not sure what the exact phrase was this episode, but it was something like the oppressive moralist one god or something that was used by the cop in the show. If there's that kind of idea already so strongly there, then it seems to me that it wouldn't be such an unusual idea for Baltar to bring it up as the way it was reacted to in Galactica. The more and more I see of this, the less I think that Baltar is seen as being important in Galactica, which I think is a real shame, really. In terms of having God and his angels show up, I mean, I know it's probably not a popular idea, but if you take what happened in the finale of Battlestar as canon, then there's no reason why they shouldn't have an active presence. I'm talking about the angels Mm. in the early stages of Caprica. Maybe they want to have completely separate shows with different tone and different actors and not have the same characters except for the Adamas, I guess. But if they were to truly follow through on having it be a single storyline Baltar and Six, or at least some versions of them, would have to, in some way, incorporate themselves into the story. Whether it's just by them appearing actually there in the flesh, so to speak, or whether by voices. I mean, even if they just had, you know, Sister Clarice, maybe as she's sitting in these confessionals and she's hearing a voice talk to her. I mean, if that turns out the person behind the screen to be an angel sent from God... That I would be okay with, because that follows a consistency with what was laid down in Battlestar. It doesn't have to be Baltar per se, although I think it would be best if they kept it similar. But I think they do need some kind of divine hand involved, because they've shown it to be, as much as I didn't like it in the finale, they've shown it to be a very important factor. Yeah, it'd be nice to see, even in the background, so they have a momentous occasion, we could maybe just see a Baltar and a Six just standing in the background observing or something. Mm. You get the impression that it's a continuous world and these events were leading to the destruction of the colonies. That's the whole point of Caprica, in a sense. Here's the beginning of the Cylons. It's going to lead to this end point. This end point starts this crucial part of the humanity's journey, which has been, according to Galactica, has been had a huge divine guidance to it. In that sense, you'd imagine that this divine presence would be there and the events that led up to it as well. Okay, so let's move on to discussion of the current episode. So here's the recap for Grave Dancing. The Global Defense Department, the most toothless bureau in Caprica, finally gets the okay to do some investigating beyond calling up random numbers from last year's white pages on the rotary phones. Lacey's school is raided, and the Greystones estate is searched. This interferes with Sam's mission to off Amanda, but the man with connections to everything has other ways of getting to her. Zoe and the tech guy, the friendly one with all his fingers intact, prove that white men and robots can't dance, but they give it a go. Joseph is having an attack of conscience while getting unsolicited advice from his mother-in-law, Livia Soprano. I'm sorry, Ruth, <laughs> who muses out loud just what she would do to that nasty terrorist mother. Poor Joseph. Can panic attacks be far behind? Do they have ducks on Caprica? Daniel goes to the Sarno show and is bombing terribly. He's about to crash and burn when in comes Amanda for the save. I've got your six, Dano. The Greystone handlers can barely watch what surely is going to be another PR disaster, courtesy of Amanda, my daughter's a terrorist, Greystone. But Amanda's heartfelt statements humanize the Greystones, and the only bombshell the corporation has left to deal with is Daniel's impromptu declaration that they will no longer charge license fees for the holoban. Oh, and something about creating an avatar of his daughter. After the show, Sam offers to drive Amanda home. She admires his tattoos and a fine dashboard cow before getting an inkling that perhaps something might be wrong. What could it be that after her great appearance on Sarno that no one offered her a reality show series on the spot? No, that's not it. Joseph is nervously pacing, awaiting the outcome of the hit. Did you do it? Did you do it? Did you do it? 
Sam strings him along like a string of sausages until finally revealing what we all knew along. Amanda is safe and well. Roll credits. All right, before we get into any specific topics, do you have any items you'd like to bring up just in general about this one? My first thought was, I thought it was interesting, the bull on Sam's dashboard. Yes. As soon as I saw that, I thought, Spanish mobster. <laughs> that's the first thing that popped into my head, you know? And I don't know if that's, you know, what they were trying to Well, Tauron is, Tauron is the bull, right? Bull I mean, yeah. it's sort of but I telegraphing. Didn't, I, didn't, I didn't even think about Spaniards when they were talking about Tauron until I saw the bull on the dashboard and then... I was like, oh, okay. So anyway, that was just minor. That's a minor little thing. When we talk about Joseph's flip-floppiness, it could be all that that we talked about, but it could also maybe just be he grew up a certain way with this mobster-like family and society, but now that he's on Caprica, maybe he's just struggling between the impulse is to, you know, an eye for an eye, but then maybe living on Caprica, he's learned that that's not good. You know, maybe his conscience is getting to him. So maybe they just... They need to write in a scene where he's... I think alcohol works well with these scenes in Battlestar Galactica. So maybe he's just sitting there and he's... Maybe he's talking to himself in the mirror about... Just show the conflict within him about getting even and how to deal with his grief or something. And actually, look, we have someone just came online. Michelle, how are you? Hi! (laughs) Sorry, Liv is crying at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) Congratulations, now your child is a podcast star. That's right, her first appearance on the podcast. (laughs) Yes. So you've been away for a while. Have you been following Caprica? I have, I've been watching it. I listened to part of one of your podcasts, and I guess it was Byrne who was like, you know, I really want to like this show. And like, I agree with him. I really want to like it, but I'm not quite there yet. Right. I'm still caught up on the whole teen angst thing in the Cylon. That really kind of pisses me off. And I'm not keen on them switching back and forth between the Cylon and her. That just weirds me out. I think they have to do that. Otherwise, people like us, we watch it. But I'm guessing that there's a larger audience who maybe is new to quote-unquote sci-fi. So I think they have to do that just to remind you, well, you're actually looking at a robot, not a girl. Do you think there is a larger audience, though? Because that's one of my concerns, is that I do wonder if the only people are actually watching this are... Well, yeah, but like Michelle said, Galactica fans who really want to like it but aren't quite sure. I mean, is there anyone else actually watching it apart from people like us? I don't know. That's a good point, and we'll get back to the actual discussion of the episode itself. But a quick diversion really fast about just ratings of things in general. I don't generally watch these things day to day, and I don't obsessively look at the ratings, except for when they could have an effect on the show's overall health in general. And right now, Caprica started off with okay numbers, and it's been declining ever since. I haven't seen the numbers for the last episode yet, but I'm pretty sure they were not very good just because of the Olympics and the downward trend they've had. Stargate Universe has gotten better rating. Even their worst episodes of Stargate Universe had better ratings than the average of what Caprica has been getting. And then it goes back to the question of like, oh, who's the show for? I've heard a lot of talk about they changed up a lot of the dynamic of Battlestar to make it more approachable for women to watch. But I don't know if that's what they should be going for on the sci-fi network. It seems to me that they're chasing the wrong demographic. You need a larger market for it. Look at something like Smallville, which I believe is going to be renewed for two more years. There's always going to be a market for Superman. I mean, it has been for 70 years. There's always going to be a market for those kind of stories to be told, no matter how good or bad the program might be. With this, I think Caprica could be absolutely brilliant. It could be like The Wire or Sopranos. 
But if it still stayed in these kind of storylines, I'm not sure how much of a market there is for it. I'm optimistic in a sense, because I don't know who's broadcasting it in the US, but on here, on Sky, which is the main network, so to speak, the satellite network, it's been shown on the same night as Lost and Fringe, in between Lost and Fringe. And so Sky, obviously, thinking it's something that's worthwhile, because there'll be loads of viewers for Lost, and people will stay watching Caprica and then Fringe, I presume. They obviously believe in it, so... Going back to what I said earlier, I think it's only four episodes in. It's too early to get overly negative. And I think this episode was actually better than the previous three. In the main sense that I found that Sano, the kind of Jay Leno person, I found that whole conversation on that program discussing the nature of the virtual reality world and the responsibility of it. I found that very interesting. But the rest of it, I wasn't so much interested in. But I actually I did find that particular part of it. I was sitting up and actually paying attention rather than just kind of watching it in the background, which I had been doing with the previous episodes. There's parts of it that were okay, but there's some things about it which overall, I just don't see an upward trend per se. One of the things was during the interview, it kind of was what I expected it was. He went on, it was sort of a bomb. He was flailing about. And then the part that really bugged me was Amanda going up on stage. And the only thing I can associate that with is my wife used to watch the show called Brothers and Sisters. And I know Dimitri, Jen used to watch it too. I don't know if she still does. Yeah. Now that show is just a silly drama. There's this family, they all get in each other's business. There's this one character played by Rob Lowe, who's a senator. His wife was the communications director. In each episode, the characters would be getting in each other's business and often doing something really rash, like oh, I don't know, interrupting someone's press conference right in the middle and rescuing them from putting their foot in the mouth. And this reminded me of that. I didn't watch that show except hearing it in the background and and kind of giggling about how silly it was. And now I'm seeing it on a show that I'm watching. We've seen this same kind of scene played out in Battlestar. Say Adama's in a dogfight with Cylons and his Viper having trouble. Starbuck breaks off from her assigned patrol to come in and save him. It's the same concept, except now we've reduced it to they're on a studio set and the wife comes in to sit in the chair next to him. It just doesn't have the same oomph to me. I'm sure on a dramatic level, there's something there, but I'm not feeling that. I know what you mean. When I'm watching the show, I kind of wonder what exactly am i watching is it trying to be too many different genres of show it doesn't feel like a science fiction show you're right in a sense it feels more like a a traditional kind of i guess cop show i guess i don't really know at the moment i don't really know what it is that i'm watching what am i meant to grab onto i don't know i agree with matt that i just don't know what i'm watching yet like it's not sci-fi you know it's not a law drama it's not it's just all this stuff all mishmashed into one and i don't even know what i'm supposed to be like he said grasping onto i just don't i'm not quite into it yet you know it's just it hasn't really grabbed my attention and i mean i'm watching it but i'm not like invested in it like i was with bsg I think I'm going to watch it just because I'm trying to figure out what they're doing with this Cylon. Like, it doesn't go in the direction that we all thought the Cylons originated from. To me, the Cylon just doesn't seem to fit with the entire story. It's just this kind of side note that happens to be over there, and it it has nothing to do with the actual story. Like, we don't even need it. Well, I think the success of the show ultimately comes down to the characters. That's my mum. She will say that she hates science fiction. What's her favourite show? It's Lost. Now, Lost is sci-fi, but people were drawn in, and some people disagree, but essentially people were drawn in by the strength of the characters in the first season, and people who have stuck with it have stayed with it because of those characters. And once you've got people believing and being interested in the characters, you can go in many different directions. So, ultimately, with Caprica, we have to believe 
and be interested in the characters. And I think not grasping onto is the fact that we're not grasping onto many characters at the moment to be interested in and to follow their storylines. I think that's the main thing that needs to improve. I agree with that. Yeah, I agree. I think the characters so far, as we've said, haven't grabbed us. And number two, going back to Lost, I'm watching Lost catching up now and to watch them so craftily manipulate how a season goes along and you wonder at the mysteries of what's happening from episode to episode and for that particular season, it's just so well done. And I, I watch that and I'm like, this is so totally missing right now in Caprica. I just don't sense that there's something pulling me to wanting to know more. And it doesn't have to be some grand mystery, but there needs to be something. Like They kind of have hints of it with what's going on with the Soldiers of the One and whatever Clarice is talking to, but it's... It's just not powerful enough yet. It's still a bunch of small scenes in very domestic situations like going on a TV show. It just doesn't do it for me right now. One thing Jason mentioned to me earlier was how he loved the grandmother in the last episode. And I can see why he thinks that's terrific because he was never a Sopranos watcher. But anyone who has seen The Sopranos knows that the grandmother is a complete ripoff of the Livia Soprano character. If you're going to borrow from somebody, I guess you borrow from the best. But I saw that and I was like, okay, that's interesting, but I've seen that before. And so it really didn't affect me as much. How about you? I agree. She's totally the mom from The Sopranos. And you wonder why Joseph flip-flops. Maybe it's what I said before. I don't know. Because Tony Soprano... But then again, you know, Tony Soprano had a little bit, you know, he had issues. He would go into a psychiatrist, so... If they bring in a psychiatrist character, they will have totally jumped the shark. <laughs> I mean, we, we talked uh, last episode about how maybe the network wanted a Sopranos in space, a sci-fi gangster show. And I think that's doable, but I just don't know if it's this show in particular. I mean, in my mind, when, when someone says sci-fi gangster show, I picture something with elements of what they're doing right now. But I don't know if it's quite the same just because of the whole Cylon thing. I mean, there's only so many things you can throw in the pot and not have something ruin the rest of the stew. I don't know if it all matches up. The Sopranos in space. It's still better than Grey's Anatomy in space, though. I mean, that didn't work particularly well. In fact, I can't remember what it's called, but you know the show I'm referred to, the um, the space shuttle going around the planets with the... Um, Defying Gravity, is that the one? Defying Gravity, yeah, Grey's Anatomy in space. I'd still want to watch Sopranos in space, because again, borrow from the best. Well, maybe that's why they had Amanda quit from the hospital, although I still think there was storylines to be had there. When you remove a character from a situation, you hope that they have something else that they're going to put her in. And so far, she, aside from going on the Sarno show, I still don't see where she's doing or what is she doing and what purpose she serves. I don't know what the purpose of quitting the hospital was. One has nothing to do with the other. I'm not sure what the reasoning was. Like, if they had shown maybe the hospital staff did something, you know, give me something. But just flat out quitting the hospital for no reason, it doesn't add to the story. No, exactly. That's what I mean. Again, it doesn't matter if she was fired or if she quit. I just want to know, story-wise, what is she going to do? I mean, you're taking off one of the things she can do in the story. She was a doctor, but I mean, if you're taking that away, what is going to happen? Again, going back to Lost, Jack is on the island. He's a doctor. It's very important that he's a doctor. If somehow they had made him not the doctor, I mean, he's just a guy. And then somehow his character has so much less to do. Everyone on that island has a role that they did back in the real world. And it was all very carefully constructed, what they did. And this show, they are basically erasing the fact that she has some sort of skill and just making her Daniel's wife and the terrorist mother. And I think that's a mistake. See, I don't know about that, though, because I really think the way that they're portraying her, I think the direction they're going to go with her is they're going to make her 
be the one to investigate Zoe more. She's going to try and figure out what Zoe's life was all about, rather than just sitting at home smoking cigarettes. She's going to want to know what her husband meant by creating an avatar. She can't just leave it at that, right? She's too good an actress, in my opinion, not to be used properly as well. Anyone who knows her from Deadwood, I just think she's too good an actress to be wasted. Positively, I don't know why I like the robot dancing scene, but I... You really like that? I thought you would be the one to hate that the most. I don't know. It was kind of cute. Anybody else have anything they particularly liked about this episode? Something is happening. I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm just getting a little more invested in the characters, but I feel that this episode, our third episode, is better than the second, which was then better than the first. So for me, I don't know if necessarily they individually are getting better or I'm just getting you know more comfortable with the story. I really want them to push that storyline about going off world with the Cylon and seeing where that goes. I don't know. I feel that this episode had a little more going on, but I think that's just natural progression of a show in its third or fourth episode. By now, we got some storylines going. And until I actually see something that really is moving the story, like you said, to, to Geminon or bring in some other element that is beyond just these little scenes of them doing things that are just so, to me, not that interesting, like the whole going on a TV set. I want to see different things out of the show. Actually, what I would like to see, I would like to see why they have this Cylon in the first place. What is the threat? You know, if you live in a society where there's no threat, then what is the purpose of building this fantastic weapon, right? Because that's what the Cylon is. It's a fantastic weapon to save human lives from being on the battlefield. There's got to be a reason that they have this thing. Is it just me or maybe it's just me? Everyone's asking that question. Everybody. You're not the only one. You know, they're supposed to make 100,000 of them, which I guess is a lot. But when you think of, like, the whole population of all the colonies, it's not really that much. So, it's like just a drop in the bucket, really. What is the threat? I don't know if they know. All right. Grade-wise, I felt, despite having some progression, I didn't totally... I didn't have a lot of satisfaction with the non-death of Amanda and the whole going on the set thing bugged me. So, I'm going to see. Well, here's a question, too. If we already all knew because the way the credits roll, right, and Amanda's in the main credits, not just her name, but it's like that whole like picture of her walking with her husband. So we all know just because of that time and money, they're not going to kill her. I mean, was the reason that we weren't shown Sam killing her was because someone in the audience might be dumb enough to think that she was actually going to get killed? And then when he was stringing Joseph along that we were also supposed to be strung along, because I wasn't strung along. Maybe she should have been roughed up a little bit, you know, come home with the bloody eye or something. Because there was no acknowledgement when she talked to her husband. He's like, yeah, I got roughed up and she should have been like, well, you know, so did I. (laughs) Well, that goes back to my thing about the security of Greystone. He should have a picture of the Samadama posted everywhere saying this guy doesn't get close to anybody. And Amanda should see the picture and be going like, oh, yeah, I know that guy. And so Sam Adama, at this point, there's no way he should be getting close to anybody. Or even Joseph, for that matter. Joseph shouldn't be able to even approach the front door of the house. He should be like out in the gate. Well, I think he wants I think he wants to let him in because even if he somehow shuts out Sam Adama, I think Greystone's not stupid enough to think that he is completely insulated from all the Tauron mobsters that are out there somewhere. So he wants to not... Better to not piss off Adama. But still, I'd like to see scenes where Sam tries to get somewhere and for once is rebuffed somehow because he has been showing his face in high-profile places one too many times. 
And are there other mobs out there? I mean, are there Sagittarian mobs? Are there... I mean, if they wanted to go gangster, they should bring in some other factions. That would be interesting. Where is Baltar from? Arlon. I want to see those gangsters. They're farmers. <laughs> Every planet has gangsters. <laughs> All right, what's your grade? I'm just going to stick with a B minus. C plus. I'm going to agree with Brian, shockingly. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm not invested yet. So to me, it's just kind of a straight line C-level show because I'm just not buying into it yet. All right. I think that will do it for this episode. I want to remind you that our website is galacticacorum.com. Our email is gcorum at gmail.com. Our voicemail 301-358-5175. Be sure to check out our other podcast, Geek Quorum. First couple episodes, we talked about this season's sci-fi TV shows. And the next coming up, we'll be talking about Avatar. So thanks for subscribing. The jump clock is running. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. So say we all. Goodbye. Bye. I fed Olivia and she decided to fall asleep, so why not? <laughs> <laughs> That's never happened on our podcast before. A feeding during the podcast. Yes. An exposed <laughs> she was... breast during our podcast. <laughs> That's hey. happened Sorry. before. That's happened before. Has it? What? what? <laughs> I'm just Is kidding. Is it there? <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't remember this. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>